Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. All right. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. One of the headlines today, the NHL confirming that its players will take part in the 2022 Olympics in Beijing. Hello, Connor McDavid. Elks practicing. Some of the players who uh, have gone through COVID protocol not participating include Aaron Grimes, Armonte Edwards, Tavon Smith. You did have Darrell Walker as a limited participant. Same with fellow receiver Shy Ross. So we'll see what happens at practice tomorrow. Of course, you can always get the updates in our sports cats here on 630 Chet on Global News Radio 880 and on the good old website 630Chet.com, globalnews.ca. Blue Jays trailing Oakland 6-2 in the seventh. And a pretty good first half for the Montreal Alouettes as the second half just gets underway in Ottawa. It is 27-13. The Owls leading the Red Blacks, so no shortage of points in that game, though there uh, have been several low-scoring games around the CFL so far this season. All right, here's the deal. The last time this gentleman was on Inside Sports, it was in March, and it was a few days after he announced his retirement from football and he seemed very happy he seemed upbeat he seemed ready to embrace his retirement and uh, other things he was going to do with his life he uh, looked back fondly on his career wearing green and gold including a 2015 Grey cup championship in which he got a first down on a fake punt as if i recall correctly uh, and then in late july he came out of retirement to sign with the hated rivals of the edmonton elks the Calgary Stampeders. I am pleased to be joined by Calvin McCarty. Calvin, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm good, Reed. How are you doing? I am doing very well. It's it's nice to talk to you. I did not expect these to be the circumstances of our next discussion after your retirement. All right. I, I want to get it in your words. What happened there yeah. third, fourth week of July that led to you signing with Calgary? Um, I mean, uh, after I made that decision on the 14th there uh, to retire Edmonton, um, Dave Dickinson actually called me and, and congratulated me on a, you know, a great career. And uh, also Coach Mace, Corey Mace, who I've known for a long time since high school days back in B.C. Uh, and uh, we kind of just had a conversation about, you know, potentially, you know, if something were to happen or down the road, like, would you still be? You know, interested, and I said, you know, we, we, we'd have to see what happens at that time. But for me to be able to do what I needed to do at that point in my life, which was kind of, you know, focus on other areas outside of football, but it was still football. I was still kind of participating in coaching and training. So I wasn't too far away from the game. And uh, unfortunately, Char- Charlie Power went down, uh, I think, third week of camp. And then they called me and asked me, you know, was I in shape? And you know, I, I kind of gave it a thought. I talked to the family a little bit. My daughter was probably the most upset. <laughs> she didn't talk to me for a day. Uh, she was upset about it, obviously. But um, so, yeah, you know, that happened, and a fortunate situation happened. And 
you know, it's close. The family can kind of stay there, and I can, you know, commute when you know, I guess we're allowed to. But at the end of the day, it's a, a chance for me to potentially, you know, win a great cup and, and, and play and kind of go out on my own terms as well. And part of that decision was, you know, I was – training these kids at Bell Rose and uh, this summer, and I would tell them, you know, a lot of them missed out on that grade 12 season, a grade 11 season, and still had inclination to play, whether it be junior or men's league or something. And even some of the grade 11s that missed their grade 11 year were thinking about not playing, but maybe wanted to play. And I was, you know, trying to motivate them and talking to them about if you had any inclination to play this game because it's uh, one of the shortest span, one of the shortest careers out of all sports. So, like 98% of the people out there high school don't play. So if you want to play, man, go out there and play. And I'm out there playing with them, and, and I'm the man of my word, too. And I kind of just felt like, you know, it's uh, it a situation that, you know, I'm kind of practicing what I'm preaching to the kids, man. And I still felt like I got a lot to give. And given the situation and Coach Dickinson and, and talking to Huff, man, it was – I felt embraced. And uh, even after I retired, man, to, to get a, a call from a coach that – I played against, but also as a respected, you know, I respect them as a coach and what they've been able to do from afar. But now I get to see it up close, and and it's uh, it's awesome to be here. And I, I'm appreciative. Okay, I'm going to ask you something here, Calvin, and I'm wondering how many people have said this to you, because one thing that fans have said to me, listeners, family members, friends. And and yeah. you know and you know you know you were my mom's favorite for for a lot of years on that team too, as she said yeah. it too. Okay, if he had to come out of retirement, okay, why did it have to be with Calgary? <laughs> I assume you've heard that from people in your life as well. Yeah, I've I've heard that, but at the end of the day, it's a business, and like I said, between location and and the way they do things here, you know, top down, they've been consistent. You know, one of the top consistent teams since I've been in the league, man. And a chance to compete for a cup, Bo, obviously, kind of played a play the role in that decision. And, you know, some doors close, man, and it's a business. And I feel like I can still contribute and play at a high level. So, you know what I mean? That's that's it. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm just thankful for another opportunity. All right. So what is your status for uh, Monday's game? Do you expect to, to get in? I, mean, I, mean, I realize maybe you can't right. tell us, but may, maybe you can. Yeah. Well, are you going to be hey, in I'm, on Monday? I'm progressive, man. Hey, it's up to the team, whatever they want to do. I'm, you know, I kind of came in late. I didn't really get that, you know, training camp. So, but I'm just, you know, getting, uh, you know, getting used to it and, and, and we'll see what happens. I don't think there's any final decisions yet, but if that number gets called, man, I'll be ready. Okay. Well, there you keep us all in suspense if you're, if you're going to be running out onto the field or not. Calvin McCarty from the Calgary Stampeders, 13 years here at Edmonton, joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Tell me about, uh, you know, a, not a great start record-wise for the Stampeders, one and three, but the young quarterback, Jake Meyer, stepped in and had, has had some pretty uh, impressive moments right. here. Tell me about this young man. Man, he's, he's, uh, he's a confident kid. Uh He's uh he works hard, man, and he's he's kind of wise beyond his years. You know, I had a few conversations with him at practice, and everybody, man, I think all the quarterbacks here have a a great feel for the game, and I think it starts with from the top down. So uh, they obviously do a good job in, in, in scouting and I guess recruiting these guys. But man, Meyer definitely has a uh, 
a, I guess, a swagger to him. But, man, he puts in the work, and he expects it. So uh, he's a great kid, man. And I just, uh, yeah, I mean, the one and three record is what it is at the moment. But, you know, we've lost a few close games there and came within a field goal of the last one. But, you know, uh, it's a marathon read. And, and I guess what did they say? The season doesn't start till this weekend, technically, sometimes. There is a rumor about that. But, right. uh, <laughs> man, <laughs> no, I think we got a good chance, man. We got a good young team, good young core, and, and I'm, I'm excited for it. Playing on Labor Day. I mean, you, you said it. Uh, you know, there's the old saying, it, the season doesn't really start till Labor Day. Certainly the intensity usually cranks up. The fan interest usually cranks up. Your tenure with Double E, you know, Calgary won the, the large majority of the games. Um, though uh, there was a convincing win in 2011, there were a few games that, that came down to the last minute. A, a, a couple were blowouts both ways, but... What I asked Eddie Steele the same thing. Tell me about the vibe on Labor Day. Does does it feel like a different game when you run out of the tunnel and things get going? I mean, it's the you feel the energy obviously from the crowd as well. Naturally, you should have bring your own energy to the game, but it definitely gets amplified by the you know the pregame. You hear the antics, you hear the crowd shouting, you hear the rivalry in the stands. Some stadiums you go to, you don't get that as much. So this that this. This this uh you know, this Labor Day is uh unique in its own. I feel like Edmonton and Calgary is definitely the the Labor Day game out of the whole league to watch and, and play in. And it's and it's also something I've heard from other players, but for me the first time I was caught off guard two thousand seven when the Jets came over. Amplified everything going on before the fans talking, the players chirping at the fifty yard line. Uh AJ Gas through the helmet. I think on the the other one there, he ripped it off and chucked his helmet. Uh, so seeing that and, and and the Jets flying over for the first time, man, it, it gives you goosebumps. So it's uh interprovincial rivalry, man. It doesn't get any better. Yeah, I remember. At, you're right. It was in the rematch game at Commonwealth that he or AJ Gas through the helmet. Yeah. I can still see that before your. Uh, before you would have been with the double E, there was uh, Ed Hervey uh, jumping yeah. in and uh, contacted an official and got suspended and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, well, maybe- uh, it, it's special, man. And I think Odell might have sent out a tweet today talking about how he missed it. And, you know, that's what it's all about, man. It's, you know, you, you play for yourself, but at the end of the day, it's your team and family and everybody. Everybody's out there with you. So it's, uh, it's a great opportunity to play football. All right. Well, Kelvin, it's great to catch up with you. Again, not the circumstances I was expecting. Of course, you individually, I always pull for. Um, Appreciate it. I, I, can't, I can't pull for your team, obviously, on, on Monday. But if you're in the lineup and you get a few productive touches and the Elks win, that would be my dream scenario. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Yeah, I appreciate we'll, it, man. Yeah, and, and, and now you so you're uh so you haven't been able to see your family a lot, eh? That's gotta be that's gonna be tough though. Are you getting uh, through that okay? Oh yeah, we're good, man. Yeah, all right, my daughter started school this week. Got her jersey ready. She caught flack on the other side sometimes, so she's definitely gonna catch flack on the this side this time. But she's prepared for it. She's you know she's uh she's awesome and yeah, looking forward to it, Reed. It'll be it'll be a great, you know great thing but at the end of the day it's not about me man it's about the team and i'm just excited to, to potentially get out there and play 
Right on. Well, Kelvin, thanks for making time for us. I know, of course, you're going to be on the show in the future, regardless of what team you're playing for or what you're doing with your life. But thanks for checking in tonight, man. Will do, man. Tell Eddie Eddie Steele I said hello, too. Right. I will pass that on to Eddie. That's awesome. That is Calvin McCarty tonight on uh, Inside Sports. One of those players, now again, he he wouldn't give away. Maybe he doesn't know yet if he is going to play on Monday, but good to catch up with him. He told you the story of, uh, you know, the Stampeders contacting him pretty early in his retirement and saying, well, what if, what if, what if? And then the what if came through when they needed a fullback. Uh, Calvin McCarty, um, I, I would say a beloved player by by fans of the Elks. And uh, certainly a bit of a shocker to see him go down the highway and and, uh, and join the Stampeders, and we'll see if he gets in that game. But he's uh, al- he's always been great on this show, always very candid and intelligent guy about the game of football and about life in general. So, of course, personal personally, I, I wish him the best. Though I, what Eddie Steele came right out and said it, he hates Calgary. I think I can put myself in that category when it comes to sports. Why not? Okay. What do we have here? 27-13 is uh, still the score between Montreal and Ottawa. Now about halfway through the third quarter, Montreal did attempt a long field goal, but it was missed, and uh, Ottawa ran it out to inside their own 10. They're now putting, trying to put a drive together there. Kelvin joined us on the hotline presented by Certain Teed, professional-grade building materials. That's also where you can chime in, 780-496-0063. We're back after the break. Okay, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. I like that track. What's that one, uh, Lydia? It is. Highly Suspect, I believe, right? Lydia by Highly Suspect off the album Mr. Asylum, which is a pretty good record. I think they've put out a couple uh, albums subsequent to that one that uh, were not as good. That's a really good song called Lydia. Uh, 780-496-0063 is how you can get in touch. You can email inside sports at 630ched.com. You can follow me on Twitter. If you, if you prefer Twitter just to be boring as opposed to what it is in a lot of other corners of the Internet, then you, you can follow me because I'm just pretty much like, here's what's on the show. Here's when there's a game. Thank you very much. Uh, no pictures of food. No arguing with people, very seldom anyway. It is at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. Wilkins spelled like Dominique, the former great NBA player. Remember when we had him on the show, Kellen? Yes, he sounded uh, slightly confused at, <laughs> during his he, he was not. He was not overly interested to do the interview. Yeah, I, I, this was a few years ago. Yeah. Because, you know, we're always thinking like, okay, who do we get on? Or we do something interesting. So we thought, okay, we'll get... Well, we'll ask Dominique Wilkins. So I think I wound up emailing the Atlanta Hawks, and mm-hmm. they said, "Yeah, like he's an ambassador for the team now." And the 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 media relations person was very agreeable and said, "Yeah, we should do it. That sounds fun." Because I kind of said, you know, my last name, his last name. It's a joke, no relation, all this yeah. kind of stuff. And you know, we don't have a lot of NBA related guests on the show. Mm. So the Atlanta Hawks said yes, and they said, here's the, you got to pre-tape it. He wasn't on live. We had to tape it in the afternoon. So they said, call this number at this time, and he's, he's, he'll be ready to go. So when, they, when it's arranged like that and they tell you he'll be ready to go, I kind of assume that the interview subject is at least somewhat briefed on the point of the interview. So I, I called the number, and I answered the phone. I was like, hi, Dominique. Yeah. 
Hi, it's Reed Wilkins calling from 630 Shed in Edmonton. Okay. So I'm <laughs> like, I have an I have I have an interview booked with you. Oh. Uh okay, yeah, we can do it. Uh I was like, so yeah, like we have the same last name. He's like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> so it's like, I don't really think he, he I mean, hey, he they, they, he did the interview. He was fine, uh but he wasn't it wasn't the most engaged interview subject I've ever had. But it was it was like a good interview. But you're hoping when you get somebody like that, it's gonna be an excellent or or memorable interview. Yeah. And to to me it was just kind of like memorable because I, I wondered if he was gonna stay interested for more than two minutes. Yeah, so Gene anyway. Gene Simmons he wasn't. We'll put it that way. I yes, uh, Gene Simmons was a very interesting interview that I did a few years ago. Which was really good too. I enjoyed uh, it. It was it was pretty good. Like I, I I think I'm not like a huge KISS fan. I like the the hits are good. Uh I wouldn't know I couldn't name all the band because there's been a lot of band members besides besides uh, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley. I could name the original lineup and then beyond '82, forget it. So there's a guy <laughs> named uh, there was a guy named Ace Freely, right? Was that one of? Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't he was a he guys. was an original member. You're just missing the uh, drummer. That's all. Wasn't there a Peter Chris? That's the drummer. There you go. Was he? He was one of the original lineup. Yep, that's the original four: okay. Peter, Ace, Paul, and Gene. And did one of them not pass away? Uh, that was Eric Carr, who was the drummer oh, okay. that replaced Peter in after 82. After 82, it gets weird because they lose the face paint. You know, they go right. very hair metal know, to sound. So Yeah, and I don't know all the what each guy. Like, I know Paul Stanley was like the star baby or something like that. One of them was a cat. Like, I, I don't know. I, I But anyway, so I can't remember how it happened. It was like. And then that was another one that was taped in the afternoon mm-hmm. where the station was told Gene Simmons is coming to interview. Do you want to put him on the station? And I was like, I think I was the only host available to do it. And I was like, well, I'll talk to Gene Simmons. And he owned the team in the, um, what did he own? I think he owned the team in the lingerie football league. He might've owned an arena football league team as well. And we talked about that, but he was I, like, I did not watch. What was the show called with him and Shannon Tweed? Oh, Family Gene. Jewels? Yeah. Family Jewels. Yes. All right, which yeah, I, I saw, I sounding like I know more than I do, but I just know this from talking to other people and osmosis of pop culture. So I, I didn't really know what his personality was like, and he's he's extremely funny, but extremely dry, and he was dropping in all these little one-liners, and it would take me a second to realize he was joking. Mm. You know what I mean? And so i actually enjoyed the interview but you know i really had to stay sharp like i you know you right. just coast coast through this one and then it, somehow at, at some point i mentioned or it came up comic books came up and i mentioned i was a big spider-man fan and yeah. he starts asking me spider-man trivia because it i was- can't remember all the questions were but the first question was like super easy at least i thought and then the second question was still pretty easy but he seemed okay and then he asked me a third mm-hmm. question that was a bit more obscure and i knew it and and i could tell he thought like oh wow like he was surprised that i knew it and then he asked me a couple like super obscure questions i might have got partially right yeah so there's another so, there so there's one of there's something for the resume i was uh, asked trivia questions by gene simmons how many people can say that in their lives 
I don't know, maybe he does it to everybody. Maybe you go meet him after a show and he starts asking the trivia questions. I mean, <laughs> Alice Cooper asked me once how the golf courses were around town here. So, Oh, when did you meet Alice Cooper? Oh, at the uh, Comic and Entertainment Expo a few years ago. The same thing that uh, Gene Simmons was in town for when we got the interview for him. So. I thought he was playing a concert with his the Gene Simmons band, the non-Kiss band. Yeah, I think it was adjacent to the Expo, oh, but the Expo okay. had him booked that year too. So, this so a few you years met ago, Vincent so. Fernier. That's I have yes did he have a snake around his neck no actually he was uh, a very normal guy we talked uh, wrestling and uh, arena rock it was pretty cool yeah when he's and he's a avid avid golfer Alex. he is yes it's pretty cool we got an avid fisherman coming up record-setting fisherman also former nhl goaltender edmontonian pete peters when we get back inside sports on chet thanks for tuning in Alouette's taking it to the Red Blacks tonight. Now after three quarters, it is 34-13 in favor of Montreal. Elk's going to play in Calgary on Monday. We got the full coverage for you. Countdown to kickoff will commence at 12.30. The game gets going at 2.30. Both teams coming in with just a single win so far this season. Athletics all over the Blue Jays. It's 8-2 in the eighth. And the Tour Championship halfway through the tournament. In Atlanta, Patrick Cantley leads at 17 under. John Rom close behind, 16 under. Bryson DeChambeau in third, 11 under. Justin Thomas is 10 under. Well, this is going to be a fun one to take you into the long weekend. A gentleman who won 246 games during his NHL career as a goaltender. He won the Vesna Trophy in 1983. And he's in the headlines again for a pretty incredible achievement a few days ago. Please welcome to the show a proud Edmontonian, former NHL goaltender, Pete Peters. Pete, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? Very good, thank you. And how are you? Well, I'm doing quite well. It is a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for making time to join us here on Inside Sports. I, I, of course, I want to go down memory lane with you a little bit, but you are in the news here for a pretty incredible achievement. Uh, I, I'm going to read the story as I'm getting it, and then you're going to have to fill in the details because fishing <laughs> is not my forte. Uh, apparently, you recently reeled in a sturgeon 11 feet 6 inches that is believed to be the world record for uh, a sturgeon that was caught. Now, where were you? What, what, what were you doing? Like, what's the story here? Well, I got invited uh, on a fishing trip by uh, my son's father-in-law, Barry Botel, and uh, I went with his brother, Bryant, and Jake Trigger, and we went with uh, the Sturgeon Slayers, uh, uh, the guy that owns the company, and the guide, Kevin Estrada, and we fished for three days, and uh, I'd never fished for sturgeon before. I'd seen the pictures, but like all fish stories, you know, you're wondering if this is for real. And, uh, yeah, so the first two days we were catching sturgeon anywhere from six feet to eight and a half feet. And then the last day we went, we caught the world's record at 11 feet, six inches, 880 pounds. 
<laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, where, where was this again? It was on the Fraser River in British Columbia. Okay. And uh, we were between Chilliwack and Hope, B.C. Okay, and what day was this? How long ago was this? This was August uh, 15th. Okay, so a couple of weeks ago. All right, so when you reel in a fish of that size, <laughs> did it ever cross your mind? I mean, obviously you knew it was bigger than normal. Did it ever cross your mind it, it could be a record breaker or what? Well, uh, Kevin Estrada, the guide, he'd been tracking uh, a fish you know he knows his holes and he uh, has a unique uh, sonar fishing sonar and he'd been tracking uh, in this one particular hole for three weeks there was a big sturgeon coming in and out of the hole now whether that was the sturgeon we caught uh, we don't know uh, but anyways the last day we went back to this hole and uh yeah, all of a sudden we had a sturgeon on, and uh, I was up, and so they uh, handed me the rod, and so I knew I had something pretty heavy because I had a six and seven footer before, and this just felt a lot stronger or heavier on the on the rod, and then uh, yeah, uh, all of a sudden the thing went aerial and. It's absolutely amazing to see a fish, you know, uh, 11 feet long, 880 pounds, come totally out of the water, like totally out of the water, trying to shake that hook. And unless you've seen it, it's hard to believe that they can fly and go aerial like that. But, oh, that's when we knew we had something big. All right, so what was it like actually hauling it into the boat? I, I like Again, I, I have no experience with yeah. this kind of stuff, so yeah. what's that process involved? So, so the sturgeon is a protected species, and uh, you want to keep it in the water at all times. So we worked it uh, for half an hour, and it finally got tired. So uh, I, I, I could only go for about 15 minutes. It took about everything I had, and then I passed the rod on to Jake Drager. And uh, he's younger and stronger than I am, and he brought it home. And uh, so we got it into about four feet of water. So uh, when we got it in four feet of water, uh, the guide uh, gets out of the boat. And when you turn the sturgeon on its back, it goes totally docile. So then we, uh, you know, the boat got anchored, and we're in about four feet of water, so they... You know, the fish is handled with supreme care, and uh, we started measuring, and then uh, Kevin Estrada, the guide, he called upriver and downriver, and a couple guides came to verify uh, the measurements, and everybody was in agreement that it was 11 feet 6 inches, and it was a new world's record. And then it goes back into the water. Is that like the, yeah, that day yeah. it's, it's so, right back uh, in the water? Yeah. Yeah. So then uh, the other thing that the guides do is they have a scanner and they scan the sturgeon to see if it has a chip in it. And this fish had never been caught before. So then the guide puts a chip in it so that they can study the history of this fish in case somebody else reels it in. And uh, you, uh, when we've done that, then we roll the fish over 
and we walked him out to about six feet of water. And then he was so tired, he just kind of was hanging out at about six or seven feet. And we got some unbelievable pictures of it just hanging out because it was actually in some clear water. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty tired. As, as he tired us up, too. And then eventually he worked his way back into the deep water, and uh, we called it a day. <laughs> well, I'm looking at, uh, I mean, there's several uh, publications that have written about you and your buddies catching this fish, and I'm looking on USA Today, and there's a photo with five of you guys in the water with the fish, and yeah, 11 and a half feet. It, it, is, uh, it is a massive animal, and, and cool to hear that he's uh, back out there and uh, swimming around, and may, maybe he's going to encounter some other people at some point in his life. So that is pretty cool. Pete Peters, former NHL goalie, joining us tonight on Inside Sports, telling you about his record-setting uh, sturgeon catch in the Fraser River on August 15th. Now, for you, has fishing always been uh, a part of your life? Is it is it a post-hockey thing? What's your relationship with fishing? Well, you know, uh, there's passionate people, like there's passionate people about golf, and there's passionate people, we'll say, with tennis or, you know, fishing or water skiing or I wouldn't categorize myself as a passionate fisherman where I have to fish every day. I do enjoy going fishing, and, uh, you know, I like catching them. I got no problem throwing them back. Uh, it is fun. I wouldn't consider myself uh, an avid past, you know, pa uh, a fisherman with a huge passion, but... Uh, I definitely enjoy it, and uh, yeah, we're going back out there again next year because it's just uh, an absolute thrill to to witness these fish. Like the guide figured, this fish was about a hundred years old. Really? Yeah. Wow. So that is absolutely amazing. And then uh, you know, like uh, when when they measure the fish for the official length, they measure it from the snout to the fork of the tail. But then the tail's another two and a half feet long. So, jeez, oh, <laughs> when you see this thing, it's hard to phantom. <laughs> so wait, the eleven and a half feet does not include the tail. Correct. My goodness. Okay, so that's like, <laughs> it's like two Chris Prongers. Uh, <laughs> all of that under the water. Well, yeah, yeah, with an attitude. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> more of an attitude than Pronger. Uh, yeah. yeah, that that is cool. Well, thanks for sharing that story. That that's uh, that's awesome stuff. Pete Peters joining us tonight on Inside Sports, and of course, former National Hockey League goaltender. You, yeah, you grew up uh, in Edmonton, and you continue to live here in the area. So I know that'll make people uh, happy, even though hockey took you, uh, as it does for a lot of people around the uh, around the West and around parts of Canada and the United States. I, I mean, look, I mentioned you won the Vesna Trophy in nineteen. 1983 you, you were on the Canada Cup team in 1984 which is not a hard uh, which is not an easy roster to crack I, I mean you had a you had a 40 win season you had a lot of other years you won in, in the high 20s I, I mean look Pete I, I don't know how you look back on it but I look and I, I remember you a little bit from when I was younger you know there was a, a good chunk of your career where you would have been considered on a very short list of, of one of the best goalies in the NHL well, Reed, that's uh, very kind of you to say. Uh, yeah, I, you know, playing on the, on the East Coast, uh, 
it, it's it's different, you know. Like it would have been, you know, like you play in Washington D.C. at that time, which was, you know, kind of the farthest south team, and 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 I don't mean it in a, in a negative way, but you kind of play in anonymity sometimes, which is a good thing, you know, like. Uh, uh, whereas opposed to being in Canada, you know, you can't even go to the grocery store from what I understand with some of these people that have played in Canada. But, uh, yeah, no, it, it's, it's been, uh, you know, uh, I lived my childhood dream, let's put it that way. And, and when we talked about passion before, my passion was always hockey, so... Well, and, and uh, you were part of the Flyers team. The, what did you guys go with? 36 games, I think, without a loss in, in 1980. And unfortunately, uh, came up just short in the in the finals against the Islanders. I know a lot of Flyers fans will say that that uh, Nystrom goal was, was offside. Uh, you know, Boston, Boston usually had a good team. When you joined Washington, they were finally coming out of their, their doldrums. They hadn't been very good for a long time. But, like, was that 79-80 Flyers team the, the best team you played on, or am I missing somebody maybe along the way? No. Uh, you know, like, every team I played for, the, the, the fans were great. The cities were great. Uh, probably the best team I ever played on was the 84 Canada Cup. To this day, I, you know, I, if I go into, you know, one of my rooms in the house and I, I look at that 84 Canada Cup team and I'm, I look at the picture and I'm just like, what am I doing with that hockey team? Like, it, you know, when you look at all of the, the stars and, and the 84 team is never talked about. It's, it's funny how it's, it's never comes into a conversation of you know like the 87 team or you know the 72 team or whatever but in in, in that 84 canada cup team uh you know glenn sather was a coach with muckler and green and we were on the verge of getting boinked out of that tournament and uh yeah i love playing for glenn sather i mean you know, Muck was the X's and O's guys, but uh, I'll tell you, Slots, he, he knew what buttons to push, and he knew whether, you know, X player needed a kick in the butt or Y player needed to be stroked. And he's, you know, that's when the Oilers and Islanders were fighting for the cup all the time. And so, uh, yeah, one night he straightened that all out in Vancouver in the dressing room. And uh, the team took off then, and, you know, that was the... The game in Calgary where uh, Coffey stopped that two-on-one in overtime, and we, we went back down and scored in overtime and beat them 3-2, and the Russians in 3-2, three, uh, three and then we ended up beating the Swedes, the best two out of three, and we won, won the cup, but uh, I still think of the players that I played with, and Glenn Sather, like to me, was a dream to play for because, uh, yeah, he, he 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 had his hands full really with that dressing room you know because it was split it was, half of so, it was islanders half of it was oilers <laughs> so so i wanted to ask you that and first of all you're right that team probably doesn't get the recognition it deserves and perhaps it's because like you said you had a couple blips early in the tournament and went into the playoffs as as the fourth seed out of six how and but we we've heard that you have all those islanders all those oilers they, they'd met in a couple cup finals didn't get along. How how did Glenn straighten it out? Do you remember what he did? 
<laughs> I can't repeat it on the air. Well, we, if you can sort of, yes, you might have to well, substitute okay. some of the I'll, language. I'll try to do it without any expletives. Uh, I didn't play well that night in Vancouver, so when the game was over, like that was the first international stuff that I ever played in, and I felt I let the team down, and I thought, okay, I, you better suck it up because slots might tear a strip off you and that was the furthest thing that happened slots came in there and he looked at all the uh islanders and you got to imagine the players he's looking at and he just said this oiler oilers islander stuff has to stop now and he said if it doesn't stop he says we're going to get boinked out of this tournament and then he spun on the Oilers, and he said, if you guys shaft me, I'll trade every one of you. <laughs> <laughs> and the team flipped. It did an about face like he didn't rant and rave. He just called the spade a spade, left the room, and then uh, I think maybe the next game we played was in Edmonton against the Russians, and that's when Mess threw that big elbow behind the net. <laughs> the Russian was spread all over the ice, and uh, I think that was a big turning point for us then, too. <laughs> that's a great story. Pete, we're, we're a little short on time. We're going to have to try to catch up again. Maybe during the Oilers season we can get you on a pregame show and, and we can get Rob Brown to talk to you as well because I'd love to hear you guys uh, tell some stories with each other. But I'll, but I'll end with well, this for I tonight. I think I made Rob famous, too. He scored a bunch <laughs> on me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's right. He had a couple of years where he was scored on a, on a lot of guys. Absolutely. Uh, what what goaltender do you watch now? Uh, where you think you, you know where you really like like the way he plays, or or is there anybody that maybe reminds you of yourself a little bit? Well, you know, I I, I would have to say Vasilevsky is the is the man now in the National Hockey League. Like. Uh, with his size and his athleticism and his determination, he, you know, like, kind of like a Grant Fury. Yeah, I might, I might let one in, but you're not getting any more. <laughs> so yeah, Vasilevsky would be uh, the guy I admire the most. I think. Yeah, right on. Well, Pete, again, we'll we'll stay in touch. Uh, thanks for doing this here, going into the long weekend, because I know you're having a little bit of downtime yourself. We'll we'll have to tell some more tales and get some more uh, perspective from you on the modern NHL some night. Again, congratulations on the world record sturgeon catch. That's an incredible story. All the best. Well, thanks, Reed, for having me on, and you have a great weekend and be safe. Right on. That is Pete Peters checking in tonight. 489 games as a goaltender in the NHL. 71 more in the postseason, so well over 500 if you uh, include those. Yeah, and uh, some really good seasons. I mean, with Philadelphia in 79-80, he went 29-5-5. And and, uh, when he won the Vesna with Boston in 82 82- 83 he played 62 games and went 40 11 and 9 he had some other really good seasons along the way as well 41 15 now montreal leading ottawa it's inside sports on chet okay well that was a fun one tonight awesome interview with pete peters we'll have to wrangle him for the show again calvin mccarty was also on the program as was eddie Steele. 
you miss anything, get the Inside Sports podcast or go to the show page on 630shed.com. Also get the latest on your Edmonton Elks there. 12.30 on Monday, countdown to kick off. The game is at 2.30. The Labor Day Classic will have a live edition of Inside Sports after the points after show. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, your studio operator. My name's Reed. Have a great weekend. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.